This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome in to this edition of Inside Carolina's On The Beat Live. I'm Tommy Ashley. That's Ross Martin, Adam Smith, and producer John Bowman. Inside, the first Inside Carolina live show that we started doing live. God, it's been during COVID-ish, maybe, or a little bit after COVID. Ross, I'll bring you in here. I texted earlier and said, what are we talking about? And you rattled off a ton of stuff to talk about. Where do you want to start? All right, so let's go through. We got. I mean, we can take this show any way, any way in, in the order. You know, so there's, we had spring open, open spring football practice. On Saturday, and um, uh, Adam and I wrote a, a very long scoop out of that, which included a you know forty-five minute scrimmage. We had the open practice. We had a Mac Brown press conference on Tuesday. That was today um, on Zoom. We interviewed some players on Saturday after the scrimmage, after the open practice. We had pro day yesterday. We talked to Josh Downs, Antoine Green, um, and we're there for like two hours, just kind of watching the whole process um, take part. And then uh, obviously the most exciting kind of intriguing dramatic part of the UNC football program, right? Not, not football program, basketball program right now was Caleb loves decision to transfer and all the transfer movement. Um, six players now in the portal um, already have a commitment from Paxton Wojcik. Is that how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, all the scoop from Sherelle, obviously we're not going to get into all the civics there, but, you know, tons of contact being made with a variety of transfers as UNC, tri- UNC tries to remake the roster um, and begins that process of reaching out to transfers, getting people on visits. We know that Nick Timberlake was on a visit today. I mean, that's kind of public. Um, and outside of that, I, mean, I think where do y'all want to go? Uh, anyway, how, what's the hoops roster upheaval is the – first part of the title that producer john put together so let's start on the basketball side of it um and and let's go ahead and get that out of the way adam what's crazy to me is that carolina lost eight players so far off the roster from last year six in the portal leaky and pete nance are gone that is insane (laughs) it's a lot it is the new era of college basketball and even carolina is not immune 
What is going on? Uh, they've all gone. I mean, um, <laughs> it's like the old Will Smith thing, you know, where Hubert's looking around, there's nobody left. Yeah, I know. It's, I was thinking about it. Like, I think the last time we talked, uh, Armando had not even announced that he was coming back yet, right? I think that was last Wednesday, and we usually get together now on Tuesday nights. Um, so yeah, since the last time we had the, the podcast, Armando's back, RJ's back, Caleb Love is gone, Paxson Wojcik has committed. I about said signed. I'm sure he hasn't signed. Um, you know, I don't know if y'all want me to give my opinion on the Paxton Wojcik signing because it might not be the most popular. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I kind of get, I kind of get Justin Pierce vibes from his game. Um, but you know, um, but I mean, he's, he's a, he's a, was a proven player in the Ivy league. And uh, I don't know. I just feel like he's kind of like a six, four, six, five tweener. He played small forward for for Brown, um, but I guess obviously reading uh, what Sherelle has reported, Sherelle, unbelievable. Uh, the reporting and the how plugged in he is, um, it's just um, amazing. Um, but uh, well, I see Bull Hill agrees with me, <laughs> uh, my guy. Um, but you know, I uh, you know, I, I reading Sherelle, you know, I think that he would be okay coming off the bench if that's what Hubert Davis and, and his staff asked him to do. But um, I, I, I don't know, but there's a lot of what they had six scholarships open before Wojcik committed. Um, and so there's five still left, you know, it's just, it's just kind of amazing how protracted, protracted this process could become because, you know, you're going to have, I think guys have until May 31st to, to, say they're not going to stay in the draft. I mean, certainly you would like to try to, if you're UNC, I think, get some of that high-end talent or higher-end talent of guys who think they might be able to get drafted and might pull their names out. Um, you know, I hear you, Timmy Ann. I'm with you. Uh, yeah, she says, uh, I trust Coach Davis over y'all. <laughs> she, she she does not like you guys. No, no it's not. I mean, it's she's, it, you know, she's probably right. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying just the, the – the feeling I got off of it, uh, and I've seen him play a couple times. Um, so, so on the roster, Adam, we got you know there's a couple of players I think that enter the transfer portal. Kind of if we start there, that were probably kind of pushed out. I would think. Right. So I right. think it's important to make to know that because everybody sees six transfers and thinks, oh my gosh, UNC UNC basketball is falling apart. But honestly, look, um, they probably would have taken Tyler Nickel back. I think. Right, I think just let's just go through it. Justin McCoy probably that that's done. He's a senior, you know. He had two years. They would have taken Tyler Nickel back based on intel we have. Um, Dontrez Styles, who knows? You know, I I'm sure they would have taken him back, but they probably maybe were honest with him about his role. And you kind of after two seasons, you kind of know what it, you probably know what he is based on practice. That's a question mark there. And then Puff Johnson, right? I think they would have taken Puff back. I would think he would be an, a plus to this roster, okay? And then Will Shaver, I'm sure, dude, I've been saying this all along. Like, he wasn't going to play at all in Carolina. Uh, that's the vibes we got just from knowing him as a player and kind of seeing and understanding the situation. So, you know, he played in three games, I think six minutes, I think two points, one assist and one rebound during his UNC career. Of course, got injured right before the Michigan game. And Caleb Love was was a parting of ways. I think truly a mutual situation, where look, I mean, you know, he's a dynamic player, but uh, 
you know, a lot of mixed feelings there. So really Puff, maybe Dontrez, Tyler Nichols. So you have four, you know, four, three or four legit kind of, I'm kind of done with Carolina leaving and you have two or three that are, it was UNC's decisions. That's important to know first as we move on. Yeah, I had Shaver too. That I mean, just a real quick, John, with Shaver too, he was the he was the guy that his situation was the guy that prompted Hubert to tell us Ross a while back. You know, I would never want to take a guy uh, early again. You know, he he's that's where Hubert has sort of drawn that hard line in the sand about not wanting guys to come early. At least that's Hubert Hubert's opinion. He thought that Will Shaver that that situation didn't work out well for Will uh, when he came early. Go ahead, John. I think it's helpful to give a little bit of quantifiable numbers with some of this transfer portal talk. So I really like what Evan Maya uh, of EvanMaya.com has done with his transfer portal ratings. I think it's helpful to kind of contextualize all this. So Paxton Wojcik is the 118th ranked transfer according to Evan Maya's rankings. Mm -hmm. And for context, Puff Johnson is, I believe, uh, 60th. And then Will Shaver, I was just looking up that because I was curious. He's in the 400s. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of some of the, the movement that's happening here. I do wonder, you know, like someone like Paxton Wojcik, is he a real impact player? You know, is he better than Puff Johnson, according to Evan Maya's rankings? No. I think UNC really needs to go after it and target some high-end transfers. I know that's kind of a simple thing to say, but they really need to go after some quality guys because they now have a lot of spots open in the starting five and in the roster so this isn't a situation where it's like what the unc football team was doing with the transfer portal maybe plugging holes filling little spots or gaps in their roster like unc really needs to go out and find some big time players in the really top end of the transfer portal otherwise what you're looking at with next year's roster uh armando baycott plus rj davis that's a great base but there's not a whole lot behind that. So UNC has a lot of work to do in the portal where we're sitting right now on March 28th. John, have you been on? And to play Tommy Ashley a little bit, who is the best athlete that UNC has right now? Like, I just just feel like. He just just left. Right. I just feel like they need uh, an infusion there. Tony Baxter on the chat said Justin Moore would be huge. I could not agree with you more, Tony Baxter. Let, let me make a comment about a couple things before I forget it. No, look, I'm I'm content sitting back. I did three shows yesterday, um, so I'm content just listening. But I want to throw this out there first. Uh, as far as coming early, you know, Hubert said that about Will Shaver, and that was a mistake. That's relevant in the discussion about the reclasses as well with Elliot Cadeau and uh, Ian Jackson. So folks need to keep that in mind. I'm not saying that that's not going to happen or won't happen, but folks need to keep that mindset or that thought that Hubert has said um, in mind when talking about that. I don't know if they come or not. I'm of the opinion you've got five scholarships. You go find five of the biggest dogs you can in the transfer portal (laughs) and strap it up. Y'all know how I roll on that. Um, And NIL them to death until they come to Carolina. Um, we don't, we don't, we don't want to see any, uh, nice fellas, um, rolling around these parts of the Johnston County. So Carolina needs to make sure they handle that business. Anyway, John, I don't want you to give out Evan Maya's, uh, what you call it, 
his premium information or whatever. But I'd be curious, is Caleb on that list yet? I, I actually, I didn't think about that. Evan is, is a very nice guy. He appeared on your show, didn't he? He did. And so he I, was, have you seen the uh, the gif with the numbers and all going over people's minds? And that's what I felt like talking to him. He is far should smarter subscribe, than subscribe to his service. Uh, Caleb Love is 15th in his transfer portal. Hey, right give now. a good pop for that, John. What's his website and how do you subscribe to everything? It's evanmaya.com. And he has some really great statistics. He does a great job with the transfer portal rankings. Uh, the subscriptions, it's pretty cheap as well. So uh, I guess, too, the, the point is, like, Caleb Love is 15th in that rankings. Are you going to be able to go out and find a guy who's 1 through 14 in those rankings? Like, can UNC really replace Caleb Love with someone better? I, I've been thinking about this a lot the last last few, you know, last 24 hours. I, I think another way to think about Caleb Love's departure you sort of have three core tenants of last year's team. There was Armando Baycott, R.J. Davis, and Caleb Love. And I think you guys can stop me if, if I'm saying something incorrect here. But as you said, Ross, it was a little bit of an amicable thing, Caleb Love and, and UNC deciding to depart. But keep in mind, of those three core players of the roster, which of those three is the best NBA prospect, Armando, R.J., or Caleb? Well, Caleb Love. It's Caleb Love. So this is a big move by Hubert Davis because we've talked a lot, too, about how UNC doesn't have high-end NBA talent on the roster. Well, the player who was probably most likely to get drafted on last year's team, you know, theoretically it would have been Caleb Love maybe in, in the low second round. They just basically, you know, he, he's now gone, too. He's gone into the transfer portal. So I think that that as well gives me pause about um, some of this. Like Hubert's putting a lot of faith in his uh, ability to you know, make the roster work with Armando and RJ if he's going to be uh, letting Caleb Love, his best NBA prospect, uh, you know, head towards the transfer portal. That's not a fully formed thought. I know I didn't do a good, very good job there, but it's just something I've been thinking about as it relates to Caleb Love's departure. You know, one of the thoughts I've had about Caleb leaving, I've had a million thoughts about it because, I mean, we, we've watched his entire career. We've been there for the whole thing, uh, you know, through the highs and the lows, is I just wonder, and it's no, there's no way to tell, but I was thinking about it yesterday. I just wonder how he would – how this season would have played out and how he specifically would have been viewed since he became the scapegoat for a lot of Carolina's issues because he was so such a high-volume shooter – and such an inefficient player at times. He did have 11 20-point games, I believe, this season. Um, but the shooting, he was the worst shooter on one of Carolina's worst shooting teams ever. I just wonder, and this was throwing Pete Nance and Leaky Black under the bus, I wonder what his season would have looked like if they had better shooting around him. If Leaky, God bless him, wasn't such an offensive liability. I know Leaky's percentages weren't that bad, but, I mean, it's just he just was not um, – a consistent threat by any means, you know, people wanted him to shoot. People wanted Pete Nance to shoot. Um, you know, I, 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 there's no way to tell that, you know, what it would have looked like, but I just wonder, you know, would the ball movement have been there more? Would the offense not have stagnated in some of those cases if they had just some better threats to, to, to have him run with, I wonder if he would still be at UNC right now. You know, Think about it. Carolina basically played with three, 
people that could shoot. Could shoot. I didn't say three good shooters, but three players that could shoot every time down court. Nobody guarded Leaky. You didn't have to worry about Baycott stepping out. So you had RJ, Caleb, and Pete Nance. So I'd argue that Carolina played the entire season last year with two and a half shooters. That can't happen yeah, it, next year. It's going to be interesting to see what Hubert's offense looks like with a shooter at the three position. You've had Leaky Black as a starter for the last three years. And yeah. if you're paying attention to who UNC's going after in the, in the portal, it's it's shooters, it's it's guards who are shooters, and it's small forwards who are who are shooters and are athletic who can score. Um, John, move your mic a little bit closer to your mouth, by the way. Um, I can come a little, I'm just coming a little clearer there. Um, John, what I'm sure you're on the boards and everything, but UNC is going after high-level players now. I think the Wojcik commitment was like, look, he wants to come. He is an okay player. He's probably okay on the bench. He's a shooter. You know, maybe it works. Maybe he just becomes kind of a, a 10-minute, five- to 10-minute type reserve. But they have six scholarships to fill. And, you know, this is a good cultural fit. Um, a guy that wants to be at Carolina, tough, four-year experience player. So they probably took him knowing that you're not going to get six studs. There's only five starting spots, and two of them are already taken. So you're going to have to take some guys who can accept a bench role. I imagine that's kind of how the discussion went with Paxson Wojcik. Um, but if you look at what Shrell is dropping, he's dropping clues. A lot of it's under the shroud of mystery in this most recent thing where a lot of subscribers were able to kind of break down who he was talking about, that avatar stuff. Just go on the board to check it out. They're going after some high-level guys, I think, um, and now it's a, a matter of getting them on campus, recruiting them, and then go, going from there. It's it's as Sherelle laid out. It's a it's going to be a kind of a long, lengthy, methodical process um, for UNC to fill this roster with the, the the players they need. And I do think, and I'm sorry. I mean, I did start by bashing bashing Pax and Wojcik a little bit. I do think that in UNC's case, you have R.J. Davis, who is a proven college guard. And you have Armando Baycott, who's the greatest rebounder in UNC school history and is going to be one of the greatest and is already one of the greatest ACC rebounders. I mean, only guys like Ralph Sampson and Tim Duncan are ahead of him. So I do think kind of like Drake May uh, was with some of these guys who transferred into the football program, I think that when you have a, a proven lead guard, uh, assuming they still want RJ to, to be the guy that runs the show and – or man, Armando Baycott down low. I think those are two guys that are attractive for other guys to want to play with. And plus, they're famous, too. I mean, Armando is famous, you know? Like, he's everywhere. And the run that Carolina went on last season, Pete Nance talked about, you know, watching those guys play, watching guys play for it all. You know, it makes an impact on on people. And I, I, I do think that as we see whichever way this thing goes with the guys that they try to, to bring in through the portal, I think that, you know, you can – say we have two sort of centerpiece players that we can build this thing around in, you know, a good little guy and a good big guy. Yeah, somebody I guess. In the chat, uh, somebody in the chat mentioned Severe Wheeler from Kentucky, who I believe entered the portal. No. Uh, that's R.J. Davis. It's just Kentucky, Kentucky version of R.J. Davis, you know. He can't shoot. He's a and, terrible and, and you and Terry has Trimble, who's another small guard. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's it, Trimble, but better, you know, like he to cannot... Wheeler, but to, to Wheeler's credit, he cooked Carolina last year. He um, did. But yeah, those are very similar players. Carolina needs six, four to six, eight 
Guys that dogs. can shoot and dogs. Dogs. They need more dogs. I'm, we need I'm an icy graphic to put up every time somebody comes in. So, like, a TA dog stamp of approval. There is a, there, there is a, Tommy's uh, name on Twitter and dogs. You're going to get tons of hits. There is a, uh, there, there's a video of some kid that my son is convinced is me from a previous life on YouTube talking about Georgia dogs. And yeah. so I need to have that. That Anyway, I, I mean, here's what's interesting to me. It's March 28th. Carolina's got five open scholarships. The whole point of getting out of the NIT and getting rid of that was so they could get this ball rolling ahead of time. Well, it was never going to roll ahead, roll ahead faster because of the nature of the portal. There are going to be guys in the portal. The portal closes May 13th, I think. Is that right? Yeah, May 13th. That is six weeks from now. Nice. Mine's May 10th. Send me a birthday. Send me a present, Ross. I'm old. Uh, but but this is going to go on for a long time. And one thing that cannot happen, and, and this is something Rail and Sean Moran and Joey talked about on the back half of our live last night, which shout out to the 1,200 people that were in there. Uh, they have to be careful not to take everybody first, right? Don't Don't like spend all your money in the first place you stop because there might be some better things down the road. It's going to be an interesting – interesting time here but i i do believe hubert needs to nail it yeah i i just i i I am having trouble right now seeing the vision i know tommy you just said it'll take a long time to play out but we know a few things about hubert davis number one we know that he doesn't like to use his bench so this idea that they're going to go out and get five more scholarship players is he even going to play all of these guys And then also, uh, I want to read this quote that Ross tweeted out from Hubert Davis. It's very interesting to me. I think it says a lot. This is from Hubert Davis's interview uh, with Jones Angel, I believe, Go Heels. Hubert Davis said, kids want to play and they want to play right away and they want to play a lot of minutes. You can't keep 13 scholarship guys happy in terms of minutes. The days of growth and progression every year is very rare. Kids want to play. They want to roll. So I think that we're seeing that play out all across the country. Many, many, many people have entered the transfer portal. But I also think some of this is self-inflicted on Hubert because he hasn't given players like Tyler Nickel a role because of how he's used his bench. So it's it's kind of just like all upside down for me. I'm struggling to see a, a really strong vision of, of how the roster is going to come together how are you going to add five more scholarship players kind of all in that graduate transfer role if you're not going to play them coming off the bench? And then what does that mean for the roster moving forward? I guess it's just a it's a strange time in college basketball, too. Like the idea that the roster turns over so much after after one season, I guess, maybe is taking me some time to get used to, too. And, you know, you know, John, how closely we try to. Uh, those of us who cover him try to listen to what Hubert says, listen to what Mac says. Like, I don't know if Ross would agree with this one. I don't know. Ross and I talk about a lot. I don't know if we've talked about this one, but I have gotten the feeling, and I'd be totally wrong about this, that Hubert, at least in the things he's been saying publicly, maybe since uh, Ross, when you went to Top of the Hill the other night for his final Hubert Davis Live, I feel like the things that he has been saying about the bench since then, maybe, or maybe it was right before the ACC tournament, sound different. Now, I don't know if he's been scared straight on that or he has realized that 
you know, I got I got stopped playing guys 35 minutes a game and running the starting five into the ground. I, I don't know if that's just lip service because he knows that, you know, he's going to have to just, you know, rebuild the entire team. I don't know, but I feel like he's at least said different things. Now, who knows what the heck's going to happen November 10th, whenever they run out there or whatever. Um, but I don't know. Would you agree with that, Ross? I don't know if I've just – maybe I've made I mean, that up in my head. I don't know. Yeah, he had the one line about, you know, kind of wanting to, to use the bench better and kind of realizing that maybe he needs to improve on, on his – coaching of, of that aspect of his coaching, I guess that would be in-game lineup management, you'd call that. But that was one line we've heard. I mean, one thing I think about, and this is kind of going back in the past, and we probably need to just move forward and have a forward-looking slant to this, but, I mean, he, he played the five best players, and that five-man roster was good, and, and you kind of, majority of the time, is pretty good. And, and when you bring in some of the bench players, it wasn't as good. And that's how it was in 2021-22. You know, but I, I think this gets back to maybe working the bench in early on in non-conference like Roy used to do against lesser competition in November and December. He didn't do that that much either, but I think we all agree we would like to see Dontrez and Tyler Moore in November and December so they maybe would have been, you know, able to contribute in, in February and March. Um, maybe that's where this thing changes, but – uh, I think I think the use of the bench will be a constant struggle between the fan base and between Hubert. I think he just needs better players. I mean, I don't think Jalen Washington was ready. I don't know if Seth Trimble was really much better than a tired Caleb Love or a tired R.J. Davis, you know? The guy couldn't score. So, um, <laughs> um, the, on the, on the screen here, it says Adam looks like Tommy's son. That is a high um, compliment. We need to post well, like, a picture. Y'all are, what, five, six years apart? No, I, I'll take that all day, every day. Tommy, Tommy is daddy. He's giving father. It's his father <laughs> era. I can. Um, the, uh, the, the, Ross the, doesn't like the sentimental stuff. He doesn't like you flirting with me, Adam. I'm not sure that was sentimental. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's why I think on the bench. I mean, I think it'll be a constant struggle. And until he gets seven really good players, maybe that's next year. And maybe he'll play seven players. But until then, it's been the, the five. I, I would also like to see some transfers with multiple years. Like the the one and the one and done transfer, which grad transfer, which is common, more common. You know, you like to have a player for two. Like look at Cameron Johnson. You know, he was okay his first year at UNC, and it was fantastic his second year at UNC. Um, you know, you, you'd like to have a player who can kind of come in for two or three years. That'd be nice to see as well. So I wonder if they're going to pursue that angle as more of a dev, dev, uh, um, developmental type of uh, transfer, where it's kind of like a recruit in a sense. You get them for longer than just one year. The interesting thing about the portal, okay, and this is something I heard, I uh, can't remember which coach I was listening to talk about it. The portal is almost better than taking high school guys because once you get them in the portal, they can't leave right away, right? So to your point, Ross, getting guys that have some years on them, um, you get guys and they've already used that one-time transfer and they can grad transfer out or whatever. But here's the catch-22 with all this, and this is something that Sean Moran talked about and I put in the um, expert analysis that's on Inside Carolina's front page and then on the uh, on the message boards as well, and you can listen on the podcast. If you don't play the bench here, if you recruit portal guys and, and you don't play them, then what are they going to tell the next guys that come around that are possibilities? And the same thing, and that's why I think the Tyler Nickel transfer is the most concerning. I don't really look at 
when you have a coaching change, I don't look at the former coaches, quote unquote, players leaving as that big a deal. It happens everywhere. But when you recruit a kid, you, you bring them in, and this is not bashing Hubert. This is talking about coaching in general. You bring a kid in and you sell him whatever you sell him to get him in on the campus, whether he's a recruit, high school recruiter or a portal guy. And then he leaves because he's unhappy and his role is not going to be what he was led to believe or thought it would be. Those guys talk. Those players talk. They all know each other. We talk about how Baycott knows everybody. He knows everybody, sure. They all do. And so you've got that issue. So Paxson Wojcik, sure, he comes in. He's cool with being a Carolina Tar Heel. He wants to play as much. He's got some feistiness in him, by the way. Uh, and maybe he's satisfied. But you better tell him what the deal is. Because if you bring him in and talk about how you're going to be the greatest, one of the greatest players ever at Carolina, and play all these minutes and then you don't, that is where you get in trouble as a coach and as a program because guys are not going to listen to it anymore. Hubert's talked about using the bench. You got to use it because you can tell me it's raining outside, but if I go outside and get sunburned, I'm not going to believe you. Adam, go ahead. I was thinking about this through a lot of conversations, including John, John, I love you. You know that saying that it was a amicable parting with Caleb love. I mean, do we know that it was amicable? I, I, what we have heard is that these were some difficult discussions and uh, we, we have Sherelle has reported that, that the Caleb love discussion with Hubert, the, the, the end of the season meeting that Roy would always point to. I mean, that's, you know, you think about all the things that Hubert does that were like Roy. You know, I can't tell you how many times Roy would point to, you know, going back to Sean May and Raymond Felton. You know, well, we'll have our end of the year discussion, um, you know, and we'll sort it all out and then we'll decide if these guys are going pro. Well, I mean, it sounds like that the Caleb Love end of the year discussion, which occurred Sunday night when they did not get in the NCAA tournament, like that night, um, it sounds like it wasn't that play. It sounds like it was, you know, some pretty hard truths, I think is the word we've used. Um, and, and what I was going to say also was when Ross was talking, I would love to know what Hubert told Jalen Washington or Seth Trimble. Like, what did he tell these guys who, have, who are sticking there? Like, you know, how is he going to use these guys? Because, um, I mean, with Jalen, you know, you've seen some promise in certain spots and you've seen some holes in his game too. Same for Seth Trimble. Um, if this was Hubert really putting it all out on the table and, um, right. And, and someone in the chat says DeMarco done too. Like what, like what was said? <laughs> I know we're never going to be able, unless somehow, uh, we, uh, we bugged the walls of the Smith center offices. We would never know that, but like, it's, you know, um, I, I would be very interested to see, you know, what they actually laid out for how you're going to use a Jalen Washington who, rarely played to be honest with you or a set yeah. um you know who was starting I, at one point and then his minutes appeared go ahead Ross sorry I, I think those guys those three you mentioned I, mean, I think they have a role next year I think the jump between freshman and sophomore year is always the biggest I think we saw some promise after Jalen Washington you know get him a little stronger better on defense and I think Seth Trimble I think he is athletic enough to, to play at Carolina um yeah Trimble I mean Washington maybe a little bit more of a project but I think they're really high on him coming out of high school. Remember, he didn't play for two years in high school with a knee injury. So he was just getting back into it to jump from 
not playing to playing ACC Division One basketball. Probably still a little bit of adjustment for him. And I, I think Dunn is a is a nice piece. Um, he flashed at times before his shooting slump in the second half of ACC play. Uh, it seemed like the whole team had a shooting slump in the second half of ACC play. But um, yeah, I think Dunn is an athletic guy who um, can contribute, maybe more of a sixth, seventh man type player. But uh, definitely, you, I mean, at some point, you kind of need those players to come back. Otherwise, it'd be just RJ and um, Armando sitting there. And to sort of put a bow on it, maybe, I know we're getting later on in time here, but uh, I personally, um, not that it, you know, there's supposed to be no cheering in the press box and we're supposed to be obviously highly, obje- you know, objectionable and, and neutral as being reporters. That's what we're taught. I I've, I just kind of hate the way it ended for Caleb Love. Uh, I think it's going to be so weird seeing him in another jersey than a UNC jersey. I know what Caleb's shortcomings were. And honestly, his his confidence was also served, you know, to his detriment a lot of times. Um, but I just, after the way last season, just reached that peak, you know, almost climbing the mountaintop. I mean, they were there, you know, at the, with within reach. Uh, I just feel bad for um, Caleb for the way that it, that it ended at UNC and a lot of the hate that he took. Uh, from some people. I mean, one thing you can say about Caleb Love in terms of our jobs, and I, I think Ross would agree, you know, he didn't duck any questions. Uh, you know, you could ask him a question and he would answer it. And, you know, he didn't hide in the shower or anything on the road when some guys, you know, might kind of stay in the shower a little bit longer. So they wouldn't have <laughs> say, to say his name. Say his name. Uh, some guys might do that. Um, hypothetically, Ooh, well, maybe. Not really hypothetically. We need to put Caleb, that in private chat. Caleb would be out there and, um, you know, he, you know, he's not stupid. He knew what some of the questions were coming. And, um, you know, he always would say, I trust my work. And that's what he believed. He, he, he believed it. And that's, you know, what you saw on the court, but I, I, you know, I'm rambling, but I just, I kind of feel bad for the way it ended uh, in terms of a personal way, getting to know Caleb just from talking to him. I, I wish it had been different. Caleb Love was much much better after wins and losses as are most players. And after losses, it was tough. He was very quiet, talking underneath his breath. John's nodding because I'm sure he watches the videos. Um, few words, but Caleb, he would answer the questions. Whereas Baycott, man, he was almost better after losses sometimes because of how brutally honest he was. Um, and RJ, too. RJ would sit there and talk to you and, and be honest as well. Um, Caleb would be there. It just was You would get shorter answers, and, and he'd be very quiet, very under his breath. Uh, hey, some team is getting a, a dynamic score who is fearless, who has started 101, played in 101 games, I think over 90 starts. Um, they can knock down threes, they can get into the lane, has a nice floater. Um, maybe the shooting percentage, not as good as you would hope, but he's seen everything and he has been around the most rabid fan base. So he's, he's not going to be intimidated by anything, whether that be the fan base, social media, opponents, competition. I mean, he has seen it all. So uh, some team is going to get a – I mean, I'll be very interested to see how his recruitment in the transfer portal goes and where he wants to go and, you know, kind of how that works out. That will be fascinating to see to see how it plays out and, you know, to see what he does next season with who knows what team. We got anything left on the basketball side. Obviously, folks need to stay tuned to Inside Carolina's premium boards and Sherelle McMillan just knocks it out of the park. Every every second of the day, Sherelle's nailing it. Um, if you're not a premium subscriber, huh? 
Can you hear me? Yeah. John, we can you guys hear Tommy. You. John, you, you got some of the background, though. You got your, your beautiful wife in the background. Tommy, oh, yeah. wolf, wolf, wolf. I'm a uh, – hello. It's, it's her birthday weekend, so everybody uh, Venmo me. I need a lot of money for her birthday. Thank you. <laughs> it is um, – one thing I want to say before we get off Caleb Love, and Sherelle said it last night and we talked about it, is a lot of people want to talk about rip on kids. And there's one thing to rip the player and to rip the game, um, but it's another thing to rip the person. And, and folks need to be careful of doing that. And we've tried to be careful of doing that. Um, look, we've given them hell when they need to be given hell for their play on the court. But do not uh, forget that those uh, are young men trying to get by. They make a lot of money now, so it changes the game a little bit. But keep that in mind. And I agree with you guys. I'll be watching to see what happens with him and see um, where he winds up. It would be difficult to see him in a different uniform. Um, but – then again, it might be exciting. It's certainly a better look for him and for North Carolina in the end. Um, check I out all the trails work. Get, as long as I live, being in New Orleans at the Final Four last year, obviously Ross was there. A whole bunch of us were there. And I was talking, to those, talking to those guys outside of the Carolina locker, you know, such a massive place, the places where they have these Final Fours. Talking to those guys, Ross, I'm sure you remember it outside of the UNC locker room. We're talking to Brady Manick. We're talking to Armando Baycott saying when he sprained his ankle against Duke, he just had to thug it out. We're talking to R.J. Davis, talking to Caleb Love, talking to Brady Manick. And the Duke guys came out of their locker room and were headed to interviews, Bancaro. And R.J. looked at them walking. You know, it was like a funeral procession. And Caleb looked at them walking. And I happened to be talking to Caleb, and I watched Caleb watch them walk, you know, to wherever they had. I think they had media obligations. And, you know, you're sitting there thinking about one of these greatest games that have ever been played. And Armando, I mean, and Caleb looked at me because I had asked him something. And he goes, you know, we heard everything. <laughs> That's why I always say that Caleb says that. We heard everything that was said about us. And to do this, and he talked about doing it for Carolina basketball. You know, it was a, it was a moving moment for me because, um, you know, he saw those guys. Their season was over. Coach K's career was over. You know, he has stuck that nail in the coffin. And, you know, then they walked right in front of him and he watched them go. And he's like, you know, I just thought it was so telling when he said uh, we heard everything. That hadn't even been the question. You know, we heard everything. Uh, and to do this, and he was talking about restoring Carolina to where it, it rightfully belonged in, in college basketball, which obviously was a huge talking point at this time last season when they were on that ride that they were on. But um, I'll never forget it. Yep. I, I mean, remember those times. You know, Care about a way with words sometimes, a way yeah. to phrase things. I mean, he said when they was it, you got they got those multiple fights underneath the basket this year. I was like, what's up with teams trying to fight y'all? He'd be like, he he said they must think we're sweet or something, sweet on them or something. I don't know. It was just he had a, a different way of saying things. Maybe that St. <laughs> Louis, you know, mid, midwestern type thing. But he he was uh he was he was great. Sorry, I have a uh, I have no, a quote. Need more dogs. <laughs> Go ahead, John. He's a dog. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, John's frozen. Yeah. Yeah. It's what's John going to add there? You want to go to the ad, Tommy? Yeah. There. Look, John is just happening over there. I was I'm wondering. He was. Out. I didn't know if he couldn't hear me. Y'all maybe y'all got me confused. Let's talk about Johnny T-shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com. Why is Johnny T-shirt important? 
Johnny T-shirt's important because if you're a premium member, not only do you get Sherelle McMillan's scoop, you get Johnny T-shirt discount. Can't beat it. Got all the stuff you want. I spent four hours at the baseball park today watching Carolina against Coastal and then the meltdown as well. And I could have used a sweatshirt from Johnny T-shirt by the time that game was over because it got a little chilly watching the heels in the longest game ever. But the point being, become a member of, of Inside Carolina Premium and use your discount at Johnny T-shirt for whatever you need. They'll take care of you. You take care of them. They take care of us. We'll let the national guys pay the bills. It's on the beat live. That has been the UNC Hoops roster upheaval portion of the show. Now we got a lot of talk about spring football check-in. I'm Tommy Ashley, Ross Martin, Adam Smith, and John Bowman's in the ether somewhere. But we'll be right back after the break. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hey i'm brett podolsky co-founder of the farmer's dog we make fresh food for dogs we started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog jada when she stopped eating ultra processed kibble and started eating fresh whole food the farmer's dog food isn't fancy it's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs it's better for them and easier for you get 50 percent off your first box at the slash podcast that's the slash podcast Welcome back to Inside uh, Inside Carolina's On The Beat. John, are you with us, or, or do we need to get you uh, upgrade Ethernet, uh, Internet? Oh. <laughs> Not with us. Blow Clear. out the cartridge and put it back in, John. Yeah. Put some gas in it. I ain't got no gas in it. Uh, Adam Smith, I always come to you first now, so you need to lead the way. Carolina, let's work back on Carolina football. Pro day. Mac met with you guys today. I totally forgot about that. Sorry, Mac. Don't forget the scrimmage too, Tommy. Yeah. So, so let's talk about. Let's go Saturday yeah. scrimmage. What'd you see? What'd you see? You had your yellow notebook out there. What was the most impressive you saw? You you saw at scrimmage on Saturday? Was it Drake May throwing dimes, or was it something else? He did throw dimes. You know, the thing I don't know. When you said that about Drake, I just he continues to throw the ball to everyone. 
You know, if you think about who we were writing down, who caught passes, Kamari Morales caught passes. Kobe Pesor caught a touchdown pass. Tez Walker caught a touchdown pass. I mean, yeah, Max said today that he hasn't – he's picked up where he left off. Um, so, you know, I thought that uh, – I thought that um, it was kind of interesting. Ross and I were talking about it. They have John Copenhaver uh, first up at tight end. I know they're going to use all three tight ends, but there's a new tight ends coach. And obviously Kamari Morales and Bryson Nesbitt are great players, super productive. Um, I thought it was interesting that they got Copenhaver running with the ones right now. Granted, it's March. I know. Um, you know, I, I thought that was kind of a uh, an interesting thing. And, you know, Elijah Green's still number one at running back. And, you know, uh, Cayman Rucker's uh, first string at, at, at Jack, which is, you know, not a position he's still kind of learning. I thought that was interesting, too, with sort of the fanfare that uh, FSU transfer Amari Gaynor has had, who he looks like he's going to be a great player, honestly. I mean, he's just trying to figure it out on the fly as Mac was talking today that, you know, he hasn't played that position and it's a position he's trying to learn. But, um, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was a lot of interesting stuff. I, th- I think there's still some issues on the offensive line. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know, Ross, did you, what, what were your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that stood out to me, it's, it's so hard to gleam stuff from these scrimmages and especially from a practice, I guess you can gleam more from a scrimmage than a, a practice, but I mean, I thought Tez Walker is going to be, I mean, he is, he's the guy, he's exactly what you expected. I, I, he fit everything I expected. You know, he's a, he's a tall receiver that Jason go to in the end zone. Uh, he's fast. Um, he kind of fit the mold what we thought and, and Drake went to him early and often. Um, and, and we've seen that before in practices, I think just on one-on-ones and stuff. So Tez Walker, you know, he's going to be a, one of the top pass catchers for UNC. Um, he looks replacing like a deep threat, Ross, wouldn't you say? It looks like the, yeah. sort of the field stretcher that Antoine Green was. Yeah, he's the outside option, field stretcher, kind of the big target in the end zone. So I think him and Nate McCollum kind of step in for downs and um, and Antoine Green. But I think they have tons of depth. You know, today Mac Brown mentioned Christian Hamilton, and he wasn't too deep that we put together on, on Saturday's scoop. So they're going to have plenty of depth at wide receiver. You know, I think a lot of people want to see Andre Green take the next step too. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits in as well. Um, but those would be my takeaways. I mean, we can't jump all over the place here, but I asked Mac today about the running backs. And I think right. the running back position is super intriguing heading to this year because you have so many different dynamics in, in the fold here. So you have Elijah Green, who was fifth on the depth chart last year, who finished the, the season as a starter. He's your number one guy right now, Elijah Green, the guy who we thought maybe would transfer after next after last year based on where he was. But he ended up um, finishing the year as number one guy. But then behind him, you have the two stud freshmen from last year. You have George Padaway and Amari Hampton, who, who we've both – both guys, I think everybody's been really excited about because they were top 100, top 150 guys, super big recruits. Then behind them, you have guys who have kind of proven it. Caleb Hood's injured, but he's done a lot of good stuff. Adam's put the numbers here. And then you have Bruce Brooks, who hasn't done too much in his career. Flash that NC State game in 2001, was injured last year, and he's back too. So you have five viable options at running back, plus you bring in Jordan Louie and, and, um, as the freshman. I guess he'll arrive in June, uh, did not enroll early. And then, you know, at some point, this is what Max said, I mean, at some point someone might transfer. Someone might transfer after spring practice. I mean um, – yeah, I find it interesting that he mentioned Jordan Louie um, straight out. With all that depth, they, I think 
Well, Mac was candid talking about the transfer thing, Ross. Mac was, was candid. super candid on, in March. Sorry, yeah. to, I, I couldn't believe when it came out of his mouth. He's like, "Yeah, then we'll." He said it so matter of factly. Yeah, then we'll have some guys transfer. You know, yeah, like, because you know. they need two plus one. They need yep. two to roll with and one for special back. And, and um, I think that puts those guys on notice. And Ross, your I think it was your question, Ross. You got uh, Hampton's a local kid. Uh, Petaway's a high, highly recruited guy. Um, Brooks, Elijah Green, I, I think it's got to be, and this is not saying, when Elijah Green became the starter last year, for whatever reason, they sort of, uh, the offense took a step back, didn't it? I, I mean, it, it just felt different. Now, defenses have a lot to do with that. But I think they need Hampton. I thought Petaway looked great in a couple couple plays of that scrimmage. I think he is yeah. a difference maker. I think Hampton can be a bull, um, but I think those two guys need to be the two. I could be wrong. What do you think, Adam? No, I mean, you're not wrong at all. But And to, to the point you made about Elijah sort of taking the reins, um, that seems to be, in retrospect now, sort of the time of the year that some of these defenses in the ACC started figuring out what it took to slow down what was, you know, the best offense in the ACC with Drake May leading it. You know, like Mac has talked to us about that, that, you know, they got into that Georgia Tech game, that NC State game, they got into November, and teams teams had figured – defensive coordinators had figured Carolina out to a certain degree, had figured out what Longo liked to do and sort of what his tendencies were and um, the adjustments that might not be made uh, depending on what they presented. And I thought it was interesting that Mac said today – I mean, yeah, Ross, I thought Ross got a lot of mileage out of that stuff he asked about the running backs. I thought it was interesting that he said that they played too many early, which goes is is in contrast to what we're talking about with the bench in basketball, because they did. You remember they were putting guys in. Yeah, we would Ross and I would keep count. A lot of times they would play four running backs and a half. Now, granted, it might be just a couple of snaps for Petaway or something like that. But um, Max said he thought they played too many early on and never established a true guy. And then by the end of the season, I mean, Elijah Green was really the only guy that was playing. Um, you know, Hampton yeah. a few snaps and and Petaway, I mean, they might have even had him on. I don't know if they had it on special teams or not, but, you know, he, he had played some afterthought. He played some punter kick return in the bowl game. You know, I think, I mean, they, they liked Hood early on too and before he got injured, right? I mean, Hood was getting a lot of snaps there too. And he was starting. There's a reason why British Brooks came back, I think, right? <laughs> I think – some point, I mean, look, Bruce Brooks, he was great in that state game, but at some point it's like, all right, he may be fantastic. He's got tree trunks for legs, but, you know, you got to think kind of the future of the program too. He only has one more year, so interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody kind of wants Petaway and Hampton to seize the job and, and you know, keep Green there too. I mean, Green was – I thought Green was pretty good as a back. Maybe I'm wrong, but, um, yeah, interesting there. Um, any other positions? What, what else? we got wide receivers, running backs. Quarterbacks. Yeah, somebody asked about Connor Harrell in the chat. I mean, I mean, it's tough to really glean a lot from backup quarterbacks. I thought he made some good throws. Uh, he he had a few plays with his legs in the in the scrimmage. Um, so you know, I think he's I think he's fine now. He needs to get much better um, and more dynamic when he has to be the guy, which in football could be one play away, but. Uh, I, you know, I think he's good enough to be Drake's backup. I'll tell you what I watched a lot, and I want to get you y'all's take, and, and either one of y'all can start it. I watched the uh, the the 
Oklahoma drill, for lack of a better term. It wasn't really <laughs> Oklahoma drill, but I watched uh, – they call it pass pro, I guess, down there at the end zone next to the uh, football center. Yeah, it's the offense lineman versus the defense lineman, right? One-on-one, yep. one, right? Yep. Mono and, a mono. And, and I watched that straight up, and I think that that is where this team gets better. That's where this team exceeds nine wins. Um, who did y'all see there? I said it on the radio show Saturday watching. I thought Tamari Fox looked physically a lot better than I thought he would coming off a year off and being injured a fair amount. But uh, who else um, yeah, I mean, stood out there? Max always been high on Tamari Fox, and he was good two years ago. I mean, he was a starter or at least a halftime starter. You know, they split these guys out. I mean, he was great um, as a player before he missed last season. Um, and as an interior guy with a lot of pass rush uh, ability, a, a high school wrestler. So that's just a kind of icy on the cake. You kind of forget about him. But he is going to play, you know, 30, 40, 50 snaps on the defensive line and give Miles Murphy and Javari Ritzy a, a break there kind of in that power in slash three tech spot. Now I thought Travis, there's a lot of questions about Travis Shaw. He, he looks 20, 30 pounds lighter um, getting, getting down to his weight. He looks kind of slimmer. His guts not hanging out as much. And I saw him bull rush. I think it was a walk on. I think it was the, the backup center kind of bull rush him 10 yards back. Um, I'm trying to think what else stood out to me from that. And that's about it. I don't know. I mean, you got to like Corey Gaynor coming back. We were had the, privilege of talking to him after the, the scrimmage first time we talked to him since his introductory press conference uh as a transfer and he is a huge get for unt to come back to snap to drake protect drake um and add some leadership to that room I and mean, he is clearly the leader of that group now so that, that's great there and i'm interested to see what happens at um at tackle i yeah. think travion green is is your left tackle of the future so when he gets healthy you know, he's got an upper body hand. So I don't know what is I'm not sure exactly what he had. It's upper body, which, um, you know, probably better in long term than, than lower body. Uh, I think he is your long term guy at left tackle. So uh, that'd be an interesting competition when he gets back. Um, and I think Spencer Rollins in it at, at right tackle, Ed Montillas and, and Jonathan Dorno compete. And then Mac raved about uh, Willie Lampkin. Yep. Who's who's is he left or left guard or right guard Adam? He's he Max says he can play either guard spot or center. Yeah, he was yeah. out there in both, and that was he was with the ones on Saturday um, at one yeah. of the guard positions. It is funny, and Ross, you and I sat there, and Adam, you got him too on the transfer day or the introductory day. He is a happy-go-lucky dude. He is small for a college uh, Division One guard, and he is nasty as a hornet. On, on the line and Mac talked about that and he uh he's gonna play he's gonna play a lot oh, yeah. and, and what Mac said early on and I think we'll see it a lot is he's either gonna play a lot or he's gonna make somebody else be a lot better if they're gonna play over him and I think that's what helps yeah. Slagle's exactly. asking about Zach Rice okay well, one thing I was gonna Lampkin real quick one thing Lampkin real quick oh, yeah. this is an example of a player who look he is loving this opportunity he is hungry he's like look man i, I played coastal carolina it's not no you know it's, it's a lesser I mean, they have a great football program but it's a lesser division and he is just happy to be here and willing and eager nothing was ever handed to him you know he wasn't a five star he probably wasn't rated very high if rated at all and so you know he's that kind of guy that you want that's gonna fight for everything is gonna work hard and yeah we've had i've had two interactions with him he is super happy friendly great guy sorry adam go ahead 
No, it's no, it's no, cool. Don't apologize. And I was going to say to our to our loyal listeners and readers here, you know, you could turn uh, Willie Lampkin into a little bit of a drinking game if you wanted to, because <laughs> I think every time Mac Brown says something about Willie Lampkin, his history as a high school wrestler comes up. I mean, he's he's kind of it's kind of a certainty. So if you want to do, you know, everybody talks about like during the NBA draft when Jay Billis talks about wingspan, you're supposed to take a shot. I mean, I don't know how you know we can we can workshop this. We've got about five months till the season starts, but you know, keep your ear trained. If you hear Mac talking about Willie Lampkin, he's going to get into his high school wrestling career, which I think he was a, an unbeaten forty-eight and zero or something. But um, what I was going to say about the offensive line is so I was kind of hinting at before, uh, you know, they've got William Barnes at left tackle right now. And I am not nearly tough enough to play college football. Uh, He didn't look great to me on Saturday. I don't know what you guys thought, but William Barnes at left tackle didn't look great. Certainly they, I guess they think he can play out there. But as Ross said, you know, I I just, I think there's some issues at the tackle spots. Um, And I agree with Ross. We hadn't talked about this before. It sounds like Travion Green who is a massive, massive human being. Let's see, they got him listed, I think, at 345 pounds and 6'7". Um, I think that's who they want to be their left tackle. Uh, as producer John slides in. Trevion Green looks like an NFL left tackle. Like yeah. those massive dudes who have the foot speed and everything and the arm length and just the massive size where they just put, put out, you know, can, can get the defensive end on their, on the, on their butt there. Got to be available, though, right? You, you got to right. be healthy. That's the best ability. Uh, Zach Rice, uh, I post on the boards about him. Look, he's a redshirt. He's a redshirt freshman. No, he, yeah, he's a redshirt freshman. He played two games last year. People expect him to come in and, and be a starter. Look, he's got three more years at UNC. He's got four years at UNC left. Like, he'll start – you'll start seeing him be a slot as a starter maybe next year. He's a backup right now. Um, he's playing guard, which I think he played – tackle in high school so it's a little position switch um you know it, the five stars always get the most attention it's like just like in basketball just like in football um they're gonna get the most criticism from fans and they're gonna be the hottest names on the boards but you gotta be patient with these offensive linemen it, it takes two to three years to develop and then hopefully by the time they're redshirt juniors redshirt seniors that's when they'll play so i would just i would be patient with rights i mean like I didn't, I didn't play the game. I couldn't tell you how he looked in drills. I mean, it's hard to gleam a lot from this unless you're Jason Staples. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jason Staples oh, will talk. I mean, he'll he'll talk a bunch about it. How, I don't know how much of it is true or how much to believe, but he'll talk <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I love how y'all walked on and Jason and I started talking after after Saturday. He, uh, for folks that like that stuff, Jason and I, and we'll get together and do a podcast at some point mid spring. I guess it is mid spring already, but definitely mid-spring after spring to break down what Jason got out of uh, Clyde Christensen and Mac Brown and Ted Monachino. I, I think one point about the offensive line for the guys that have been here more than a year, they've had three different sets of eyeballs looking at them, not including uh, however many GAs they have working with them. And, and so if guys are, are not getting a lot of time and they've been in the program a while, um, you can't say, well, you know, Coach Pittman, and I'm not talking about Sam Pittman. Obviously, he's not at Carolina. I'm just pulling that name. He he doesn't like that guy, so he's not going to play him. You got all these guys getting a bunch of different looks um, from multiple people. So, 
uh, you know, a guy like Rice or a guy like Barnes or anybody, they have the opportunity to have multiple sets of eyes looking at them. And I mean, I don't, I don't know how other people would college coach, but if I'm a coach, I want to play the guys I think are going to help me win um, because I don't want to get fired. And so that's what we're looking at here. And to Ross's point, it's tough to glean a lot from spring because you got this, you, you have, does the offense look great and the defense stinks or has the defense really gotten better and the offense, you know, so you got all that stuff going on with this inter-squad or inter-squad scrimmages. So it, it'll be something to watch right on up to April 15th when they do whatever they're going to do spring game wise. Um, but, Adam, I know you've got to comment on a player who I think, and Jason Staples agrees, is going to be a stud for this team in the fall. Well, that's big if Doc Staples actually he gives love, him he, he loves him. His he endorsement. Him. I was just going to say that, that you know, we're seven practices in the spring football here. They get 15 allotted practices, so we're sort of at the halfway point of the spring. It's a long time before they play games, but it is clear – that Mac at least seven practices in and the staff is high on Elijah Huzzy, the transfer from East Tennessee state, who was one of the leading uh, guys in terms of interceptions on the FCS level and all American on the FCS level. Ross was talking about Willie Lampkin playing down a lower division. I mean, he, you know, Huzzy played, you know, on the 63 scholarship level FCS level, which you, uh, you everyone knows I have a ton of love for. Uh, he played in the Southern conference, but um Heck, Mac, you know, he never lacks for a quote. He was telling us today that he has told Dre Bly that uh, Elijah Huzzy reminds him of Dre Bly. So take that. <laughs> take that for whatever it's worth. But it does seem like he has proven to be a quick study because they have him at cornerback and they're cross-training him at the star position where DeAndre Boykins plays. Um, and it sounds like he's going to be somebody that gets used. I'm not sure – I think they think that Armani Chapman, the, the Virginia Tech transfer, looks like a starter, even though he's out this entire spring. You obviously have Marcus Allen at corner, too, uh, the young corner. Um, so I'm not sure if Huzzy is a starter. Maybe he is a starter. He's, maybe he just proves to be a guy you can't keep off the field. But um, they have they have been raving about uh, Elijah Huzzy, his ball skills, his instincts. He has the type of things like that that you just can't teach. And he might be a dog. Because, you know, Mac has said that he has that chip on his shoulder where he wants to prove that he can play on, you know, the ACC level. All right, John. So I've watched a lot of Stranger Things. Can you tell me what the upside down was like? <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, everyone. So fun fact about my apartment. The Wi-Fi is connected to a light switch. So what I did is I walked over, I flipped the light switch, and the Wi-Fi started working again. <laughs> no, no way. No, you're lying. I <laughs> – you need to Can. plug that in. Plug that into the other outlet, or you only got one outlet in the whole house. So you look like you're in the closet anyway. Hand, I'm gonna get hand, you, I'm, hand to the I'm, heaven. It's connected. What's to What's funny is John works for a a massive tech corporation. You know, I know that, that trades that houses. <laughs> trades in the thousands, and you uh, you are uh, flipping light switches for. I'm gonna get you an inside Carolina flag to go behind you. One thing I'll say. Sorry. Uh, one thing I say, Tom, something Tommy said earlier made me think of this about what Max says about players. Who you were talking about somebody he was raving about some player, but Mac likes to talk about almost everybody at each position 
because he wants everybody's mom to hear their kids' names in press conferences because he doesn't want to hear from mom and dad about, oh, you didn't talk to my kids, so my kid's not playing, my kid's not starting. So you, you mentioned something, Tommy, it was, it was 10 minutes ago about what Mac raves about. He likes to mention everyone, and he likes to put high praise on a lot of players at once. So you've got to kind of take what he says with a grain of salt at times um, because of how he does that. It's very positive. It's very nice. I think at times, um, especially when they talk about first team and second team, like how Yunzi doesn't like to call it that, you know, that's kind of stuff that I remember in like when I was playing like seven-year-old soccer, like <laughs> this is college, you know, you gotta, you gotta operate with, a, you know, this is the real, this is the big leagues. You can, you can call someone second team or third team, I think. But uh, Mac likes to shout out a lot of players so that mama, mama back at home will, will hear, will hear that um, and kind of get excited for uh, her son. Ross, let me give you some life advice. I'm not that much older than you, but a little bit. You got to win the mamas. You win the mamas, you win everybody. So uh, you, you got to – Mac understands that. And, and, oh, yeah. And as we've seen, the mamas are very involved still. You got, you got to think Mac is a hit with the mamas on recruiting and everything oh, too. I mean, I'm sure he is. He's great at that, I'm sure. It was the same philosophy we had back in the newspaper days in my former life. If you went and covered a high school football game, especially, or any sport, it was high school. Try to get as many names in the paper as you could. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what you tried to – I mean, you weren't going to, like, falsify something. But, you know, if somebody had a nice pass or a nice tackle or whatever, you tried to get as many that's, – that's what we say, get some more names in the paper. Because, you know, people want to read about their kids and their, you know, the grandkids and all that type of thing. My mom saved every single newspaper article ever written from, from like Ross said, Parks and Rec to whatever, to high school. And I have those in a box here where she clipped every time. And she had three boys. So, yeah, it matters. Mac understands how it works. And uh, his job is to win games and win the mamas, I suppose. John. Let's get out of here, man. It's 10.05. What you got, a stat or, or something from the other side? It's a good it's a good recap. I was going to mention at the end of the basketball segment, but my internet went out. So I love the 30 for 30s. One of my favorites is the Pacers 30 for 30. And this applies to Caleb Love. I think it's a good way to cap his UNC career. In the documentary, Ahmad Rashad says, there is a time to play and there is a time to win. What you do in winning time, that differentiates between just a regular player and a superstar. So what Caleb did in winning time, I think, differentiates him from a lot of other college basketball players. And there's, you know, that's a good way to differentiate, too, whether you're talking about football or any sport, really. What you're doing in winning time, that makes a difference. So that's how I'll remember Caleb Love. He, uh, you know, how many shots did he take? I think I saw Brian Ives say something or tweet something that he's missed more shots in the last three years than any college basketball player, um, something crazy like that. But how many times did he man up and, and take the shot? Whether he made it or not is one thing. Um, <laughs> but how many times did he, did he actually take it while other people were passing it? So uh, it would be interesting to follow. Anything left, boys? Like, no, lay out schedule. We have the schedule here. You know, we have a, a little scrimmage on Monday, scrimmage on Saturday for football. Um, I think we'll talk some players after that on Saturday, and then I think we'll have coordinators on Tuesday, next Tuesday. A very special show on the beat next Tuesday night. Uh, make sure to tune in, 
And then um, basketball-wise, I mean, I would stay locked in the boards. I'm not really sure how it's going to go down. we got Nick Timberlake visiting. You've got Sherell dropping seemingly daily, not double daily scoops. I, I saw something new up just now. It's another tease. Another player they've reached out to um, has been on the board here. Um, the title is UNC reaches out to a new portal name. So check that out. It's posted, uh, I guess that was yesterday, actually, my bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, basketball is going to be fluid. So we may have, I don't know if we'll have anybody else enter the portal, but certainly things are transitioning to how UNC rebuilds its roster through the transfer portal over the next couple of weeks. Indeed. Anything left for you, Adam, sir? I mean, I'm, I'm on record as saying that I think Nick Timberlake would be an excellent addition. I think that, you know, I think there's a long way to go here and I think they need some athleticism. And some guys that can run and jump and get after it. But I think if they do get Nick Timberlake, I think that the people, I think you'll be pleased because that guy can catch it and I, that guy can shoot it. I mean, he is a he is a he is a knockdown shooter. Uh, and so, but we'll see. I mean, I don't know if he wants to take. You know, Kansas is after him. UCLA is after him. Ohio State's after him. I don't know if he wants to take. Well, I, if I was him, I would go visit UCLA. What the heck, you know? You know, Kansas is pretty sweet, too. I mean, it's not exactly L.A. or Chapel Hill, but Fog Allen is pretty dang nice. So we'll see what happens with him. But if he if UNC is able to get him before we reconvene, I think I think they'd have to feel good about that. Yep. Stay tuned on the beat next Tuesday. Uh, here's what we got in the meantime. Uh, Greg Barnes and I interviewed Scott Williams, former North Carolina Tar Heel. Scott has a story to tell. He also has a book to sell. Um, and he came on our podcast. Uh, if you were around in the 80s, you boys weren't born yet. And John, especially you weren't. Um, but 86 to 90, Scott Williams was one of Dean Smith's guys, uh, lost his parents to a murder-suicide. And he tells that story uh, to Greg and us. And it's pretty awesome um, uh, to hear him talk about it. He'll be on the next level. I guess I'll drop that tomorrow. Um, it's been so crazy with all the basketball stuff. Um, Carolina baseball coverage will be an article, um, an emergency pod. If somebody commits, the, the coast-to-coast crew will, will get back together. If, if there's a commitment, who knows what we'll be talking about. Um, but the way to find out is to stay on Inside Carolina. Support Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. And if you're not a member, subscribe to Inside Carolina. It's worth every dime you pay to be a part of the community. Also, rate, review, subscribe like us if you like us more on these youtubes like click the like button it helps us somehow i'm not quite sure how but it helps us so i need you to do it ross martin adam smith that's producer john bowman stay tuned to inside carolina we'll be back when news breaks we'll be back next tuesday for sure um, right here on on the beat live everybody stay safe okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend 
or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 